0: Hey, Josh Felber here, excited that you're watching Making Bank today. Today's episode is going to be awesome. We dive in and understand how you can build a celebrity brand in the liquor industry, uh, utilizing grassroots marketing, uh, keeping your team small, as well as the emphasis and the focus on building a brand, not just another product. So you got to check out today's episode with Brett Barish. As well, guys, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your attention watching Making Bank. And if you guys love and like this episode or my show, Making Bank, please share this with your friends, share this with your family, anybody you think these episodes can help benefit, as well as comment below, like, and share this. I appreciate your time today, and thank you again for watching Making Bank. Brett Berish is the President and CEO of Sovereign Brands, a family-owned international wine and spirits company headquartered in New York. They sell a portfolio of products in more than 100 countries globally. Together with a proven ability to create powerful, resonant brands, the international partnership Mr. Berish has created with some of the world's finest wine and spirit producers has given Sovereign Brands an extraordinary and unique portfolio of wines and spirits. So I'm excited to welcome Brett Barrish to Making Bank today.
1: Josh, thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to talking about Making Bank.
0: For sure. Well, tell us a little bit about what got you started as an entrepreneur. Is that something early on as a kid? Did it happen later on when the light bulb went off?
1: I'd like to say I was the kid, and I still am the kid, who had lots of ideas. Uh, And my biggest mistake was I had too many ideas and never picked one. So loss, just loss, loss, loss for years. And until my call it early, early thirties, I finally said, I got to stop. I got to pick something and I'd pick this industry and i have never looked back and I haven't run out of ideas.
0: <laughs> so what made you go into the alcohol business?
1: In some ways, it was easy. My dad was in the liquor industry. Uh, okay. Forty-five years at the same company. As kids, that's all he talked about. My brothers and I. He sat around the dinner table. That's all he ever talked about. I think he hates the fact that that we went into the liquor business because he wanted us to do something easier. Um, <laughs> but we loved it. We he had a tremendous has a tremendous passion for the industry, and I think you end up loving what your parents do. You can't help it if you're around it. You end up it's, it ends up swallowing you up in a in a in a positive way.
0: For sure. What were some of the biggest kind of takeaways as you were growing up? I mean, obviously you were around it all the time and your dad worked for another company. So what were some of the biggest takeaways that you've been able to take from that as a kid to apply to the success of your business today?
1: I think in some ways, listening to him complain that he always had bosses kind of helped me realize I didn't want to have a boss. I wanted to do my own thing. He's shown me people build brands have the greatest, you know, advertising and marketing and all that crap, it all helps, but at the end of the day, you got to find people who believe in what you're doing and you build your army. And I, I'm like, I believe that I believe getting people to embrace brands is the key is just, you got to get in their soul and it's by getting out there and talking to them and educating them. And, and, and I'm the best salesperson. I got to go do it myself.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, the owner's got to be the best salesperson because if you don't believe enough in it to be able to, to sell it, it's not going to work for anybody else.
1: No, and, and that's one of the things I learned, uh, I guess, when it comes to entrepreneurship is if anybody's going to f*** it up, I want it to be me. I want I want my ass on the line. I want it to be my decision because I want the responsibility of, of, of the success, but more importantly, the failure of it because I think that's good. And I think one of the
0: great things I know that you did from – growing your brand, use a lot of, um, I guess, non-traditional advertising, especially now, because what you were doing back then working with, um, influencers is what it's called now, but different people in the music industry and artists and things like that. Like, how did you go from like, all right, I want to call on this artist or this person. And I know, you know, and be able to go sit down with them. I think, you know, that's a lot of the stumbling blocks people run into.
1: Yeah. I think, it's interesting. My first big success was a brand called Ace of Spades, uh, Champagne, Armand de Brignac. And when you think about that brand, which is, you know, when we started it 20 years ago, you know, we didn't have social media. It was no. traditional. It was magazines and newspapers and getting people to write and talk about it. And then we started seeing things like Instagram. And then we started making a pivot. And it's the same philosophy. It's trying to get people aware of the brand. And if it's a good brand, they'll talk about it. And We've kind of parlayed that at the same time. I I call it, when it comes to celebrities and things like that, I call it organic brand building because I'm Mm. not in a transaction. I want a relationship. I want it to be real. I want it to be authentic. So to me, everybody we've ever worked with, they're my friends because of the brands. It's not because I saw some data and boy, they're the hot person and let me go work with them. To me, that's not going to work.
0: Mm, yeah, that's super important. What was those ways that you were... I mean, did you have connections to these people? How did you get in contact with them and then build that relationship?
1: It's leaning in on the industry. So there are certain things that I have passion. You know, I I I like sports. I lean in on sports. I love music. I lean in on music. I love R&B and hip-hop. I lean further into it. So to me, it's it's it's, again, I always look at it as you can create a business around things you love and that feels natural. So I developed relationships over time, but more importantly, the brands, you know, when, when people hold the bottles, they represent something. It means something to them. And what I like is when I see other people holding my brands, I'm running at them saying, thank you. What can we do? What can we do? So that's, it's, it's literally just building off of, of, a like-minded, they love my brands. I love them for loving my brands. Awesome. And
0: then you mentioned kind of you know as as you were building your brand, Instagram and some of these other platforms started to roll out. What was the big change you saw with these platforms, and then how did you attack these to really amplify your
1: brands? I still say it today. We don't advertise. We don't do any traditional advertising. So to me, Instagram is an amazing vehicle. To connect to fans, to connect to see if your, if your brand is resonating. So, I have, a brand, I have a brand called Bamboo, which is this bottle. It's uh, uh, Bamboo Ritual Rum. So, this is the number one premium rum in the world. I have more followers on Instagram than Captain Morgan and Bacardi. And those are <laughs> multi billion dollar companies with multi million dollar advertising. And I have more followers. So, that tells me. I'm connecting. I have a real audience that's following me not because I'm advertising to them and trying to buy their influence. They're following me cuz the brand means something. So to me, it's an amazing vehicle to see how to connect, what's working, what's not working. It's it's this beautiful ex- like it's like a science experiment. You get to watch how it works and and that's why I like it so much.
0: So you mentioned some, you know, the brand means something. What it, it, Do you create kind of like what that mission and all that is, or is it kind of the brand means something different to each person that's following you or that
1: connection? Like, what is that? It's a great question, Josh. I think there's two ways to look at it. One, there's an overarching theme in our company, which is it's a, we call it self-made. And it's this idea that all the brands and what we do is when people are holding our bottles, they represent, I did it, I achieved it, I created it, I passed it, I got a promotion. Whenever it is, there's a reason they're holding our brands because they achieved something. So to me, that's a feeling that represents all my brands. Mm. and My consumers get that because they're buying it because of that. But the second thing they're buying is, my brands are better than everyone else's. They taste better, they look better, they're more authentic. There's a story that goes with it. My consumer knows that we're not going to launch a brand unless we think it's better than the competition. I won't do it otherwise. There's a story behind all of them. There's authenticity. Um, there's a taste profile that's uniquely different, and all our brands represent that. So we're building this beautiful family that's interconnected, and the consumer gets it.
0: Yeah, I think you know. You mentioned uh, you know you have a story around you know each of the brands. I think. The, the story is huge because that's what allows people then to reach and connect to them. How do you guys do, go about developing that
1: story and that kind of process for that? Uh, it's. It, I, I wish I. It, <laughs> it's, we don't have a marketing team, meaning a you know an agency we've hired and say you know come tell us what the white space is and where to right. <laughs> go and tell us the brand name. It's a few us sit around the table. We drink. In the case of bamboo or rum, as an example, I love rum. We were drinking rum. I felt we could create a better tasting rum. And there's this amazing story about in the, four, in the, six, in the 14th century, merchants would travel the West Indies and they didn't like the taste of traditional rum. They'd call it grog, and they'd blend their own out of it. And what that was referred to was bamboo. And we brought that brand back to life. And now uh, this brand has eight different sugar canes from eight different countries. And we bottle it, distill it in Barbados, which is the original rum island. And we don't have to filter the water because it's all natural. And it, it's it's got authenticity and it's real. But all of that came from kind of an organic way of thinking about building a brand. Not because the category was hot. And if anything, I hate, I don't like hot categories because... I would rather run away. I like big, old, slow categories where I feel like it's time for something new. And in this case, five years later, Bamboo is the number one rum in the world, premium rum. Five years ago, we launched wow. it. Everyone in my industry said, don't do it. It's a mistake. It's not growing. It's not, it, 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 it's not premium. And to me, that's the opportunity. It's just the opposite. There's a different way to look at it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So, and I can see, because obviously going into the liquor business is you got tons of competition. Like you said, you have the behemoths (laughs) that have been out there forever doing what they're doing. Obviously your stories, your flavor profiles and things like that. But what else has set you apart to actually, you know, make you rise to the top?
1: You know, there's not, you know, I'm sure you either, I, I don't have a black box. I think it's, I think our success is blood, sweat, and tears, and we're all in, and it's night and day. It's, it's constantly educating and constantly talking to people. you got to have everything. I don't. I, I think, you know, people ask me about a brand. The package has got to stand out. The name's got to be different. The look and feel's got to be different. It's got to have a story. It's got to taste good. You've got to have a beautiful package, and if they don't like the taste, they're never going to come back right you have a great tasting product but if they don't notice the product they're never going to try it so you've got to have a little bit of everything and work your ass off and that's what we do i, I remember you know i remember um speaking at a Citibank conference and and before it was about disruptive brands josh uh and the panel before me was the founder of of casper you know the bed company Mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm. Yeah. It was amazing. After one year he had, you know, they were on all the continents and a billion in sales and it was one of those unicorns. And I kept thinking, but when I got up there, if you want to hear that story, that's not <laughs> my story. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's been it's been working our ass off, building people who believe in what we're doing, building a team of 200 people now who are getting behind it. And it's it's hard work. There's nothing else. It's just hard work. So you mentioned, yeah, you know, obviously we got the hard work. How do you
0: go about, hey, cause this is always interesting me that you said like, you know, making it an amazing taste profile. Cause obviously you got so many different people, you know, you got a certain, you know, people that like the, let's just say your rum, but they look for certain things. How do you go about trying to figure out what that profile is? That's going to connect and give you the
1: largest audience. I think it's, this is our newest brand. It's called the Deacon. It's a scotch. I love scotch. I love it. And what happens is I start drinking and we start drinking the category. And I realized I I wanted a specific type of scotch flavor profile. I wanted something that comes across, if you know scotch, as peated, which is a type of smoke. It's a feeling that comes through. And I wanted a type of bonfire, which is another smoke profile that comes through. And we got that from Isla, we got that from SpaceSide. We've created this blend. It took three years to create, but it's wow. specifically different than everybody else. And if I can achieve what the profile I'm looking for, I think I'm the average consumer. I think I'm now giving me so the, the, somebody who wants to try something different and something unique in a different profile, something completely different. So all my brands, if you taste them, Against if you're a rum drinker and you drink rum, taste bamboo, it tastes different than other rums. If you're a scotch drinker, taste the deacon, it tastes different than other scotches. I wanna make sure I wanna make sure you have a reaction. You're either gonna love it or you're gonna hate it, but there's a reaction you're gonna have to it. If I taste like everybody else, I can't introduce a product. So that's where it starts and ends.
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting too, because I mean you you create that interest or not right off the bat. Like you're either gonna love it. And you're going to be, you know, at that point when you do, you're going to be a huge spokesperson or you're just going to hate and say, all right, let me now, walk away.
1: Correct. And and that's okay though, because right. I want that reaction. I want a bartender to, to react where he's, I've never tasted something like this. This is different. So his mind starts thinking, what can I do with this? How can, what drinks can I make with this? If it tastes like everybody else's, what's the fun of that? Because it, it, I'm, you know, it, as much as, I'd like to admit we're not marketing people. I don't want it to be about marketing. I want it to be about the brand, the brand, the brand. We sell this product in, in Canada, sold 120,000 cases last year. No wow. one from our company's ever been there, ever <laughs> been there. But that's a great sign of a great brand. It's happening on its own. It's word of mouth. People are tasting it and trying it and telling their friends how much they like it. That's a great brand.
0: And so, you you know, you're building a brand. Obviously, there's, you know, companies out today that start, they're just trying to create sales and make as many sales as possible. And I I know that's one of the big things that we've done is created a brand since 2012. We built a brand in the natural dental space that we've been able to create. And that's how, you know, we've attracted people to our products. And so I know you keep referencing, you know, building a brand that's like, you know, your focus and everything. What has been some of the challenges building that brand and then being able to rise from that
1: standpoint stand out i know i almost look at this my mistakes have been why i exist today so for Uh. me the biggest mistake i made was i was that guy who thought it should come easy it should come fast it should happen overnight and i lost everything because of that meaning from my house to uh To being foreclosed on, to having the IRS sweep my bank account because I stopped paying taxes because I put all the money back in the business. Mm -hmm. And the thing I realized is how much I love what I was doing, and I can't make it about money. Because if I'm making it about money, I'm chasing something. And if I make it about the brand, the brand, as long as people are happy with it, I'll get there. As long as you like it, as long as the trade likes it, as long as that account likes it, I'm on my way. But I can't put pressure on a brand. It's like trying to make it. I was. I have six kids in my house, in my family. It's like trying to make one of your kids grow up faster than they than they are. You can't do it. They grow at their own speed, and the key is you just gotta you just gotta be there for them, and they'll continue to grow. And that's what happens. And I think to me, that's my success now. I'm not in a rush. I'm really patient. And brand success isn't the dollars I make. Brand success is or people have. We've happy with it, is it moving? And, w- and then let's just repeat, repeat, repeat.
0: Mm. That's great. Guys, I hope you guys are really paying attention. Listen to what Brett's talking about today. And go back and think about your business, where you are, are you creating a brand? Are you really focused on you know growing and giving the best product to the uh, your, your consumer, your end user? And really make sure you guys are taking some notes, listen, watch this again, rewind it. And think about what he's saying and how that can start to apply to your business. Uh, We got a little bit of time left. What's something you're like, okay, man, I really wanted to talk about this, but Josh hasn't asked me yet. Or I just gotta make sure I share this with the
1: audience. I will always lean in on my failures, Josh. So for me, it's for people listening out there, I've got lots of things I say to my team and that I stress, which is, is you gotta, if you're launching a business, you gotta trust your instincts. Don't let somebody else. That was, again, one of my huge mistakes is I assumed everyone's smarter than me. Everyone knows better than me. Everyone's been in the industry longer than me. But at the end of the day, if you're going to jump into a business, it's got to be your decisions. You can take people's input, but trust your gut. If if anybody's going to screw it up, like I said earlier, it should be you. I think sometimes having a plan, Josh, sometimes not having a plan is a good plan because it shows you have the ability to pivot and to pivot quickly you know if i had a a year long plan in place from a marketing perspective or you know what i want to achieve and if i stuck to it and it was wrong day 1 i'm going to be wrong for the next 360 days you got to pivot you got to pivot quickly and that's another thing i've learned every day when some you got to you got to rip it apart anybody can justify anything but rip it apart and decide is this really working should we mo- should we switch it should we move differently and we're good at that. We're good at leaning. We're good at what I call letting brand letting things breathe. Don't assume you've got the right answer. Let it go and see which way it works and then lean in on it. Mm, that's awesome. So you said, um, you don't you guys don't
0: have a big team. Like what's the size of your team that you've utilized to grow your company?
1: Today, we're about one hundred and sixty people in the company, uh, okay. And we we've got, uh, again, we where we're, we're mostly growing now is internationally. We'll probably add another 50 people internationally. I call my team, the Avengers, because they can do anything and everything. They should be able to do anything and everything. But, uh, it's a great team where we all think alike. And my interaction with them is daily. I want that connection. I want us to learn from each other. I want best practices daily, daily, because I think if you share that knowledge base, you're going to get there that much faster. And is your team all in one location or are they kind of all spread out? It's home office everywhere. So everywhere from Romania and Italy and Thailand and, and uh, Hong Kong, Singapore to 70 plus people in the United States, mostly home office. Most everyone is in the sales side. We've got offices in New York and Chicago and just build a real, really neat, interactive and space in Atlanta, Georgia. Because again, we wanted to lean in on the music scene and that's a place we want to be. But we got a we got a great team. We're, we're a great team of of, of uh, people just like me. Hopefully, awesome. What uh, with
0: that, then, kind of with everybody scattered and spread out, how have you guys been able to keep a great unity and culture to you know that's enhanced your growth? We it's
1: constant communications. So uh, whether it's you know if I use I'm, I I head up our international team, we're in a WhatsApp group that, that has a hundred comments daily on successes but again that's the beauty of it is the reason we've got this this communication going is we're learning real time and that's again that's a mistake I see people make people make is you you reconvene quarterly you reconvene every half year you reconvene once a year for me I want to do it daily that's where how we get better we send constant communication email and zoom calls and share again sharing best practices I, I want to learn daily and I make mistakes daily. And I will do those two things daily is share that. If, if I screw up, I want to to know why, why I, what happened, why I wanted to try something that didn't work. And then if there's something the success, I want to share that same thing. Awesome. Uh, and Brett, where can people get more information or connect with you at Easiest place is uh, on Instagram as well for me directly. Brett Farish, CEO, or any of our brands: Original Bamboo uh, on Instagram at uh, SovereignBrands.com, uh, at Bo- Official Bel Air, at Deacon Whiskey, at uh, McQueen the Violet Fog, our gin Vionne France, our our liqueur. But a- any of those places, it's it, you can reach me. Awesome, and guys, we got all the links right down below,
0: so you will connect with Brett anywhere he's mentioned. <laughs> So Brett, I appreciate you coming on Making Bank today. Thanks for your time and just your knowledge and be able to share some awesome insights.
1: Josh, thank you. Thank you everybody for having me.
0: I am Josh Felbert. You are watching Making Bank. Get out and be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to Making Bank.